Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? I uh, appreciate Austin leading us in prayer and reminding us that the world needs to see the love of Jesus. This is what we're here for, is to show the love of Jesus. I uh, was really excited this past week to hear, and I didn't know about this until after it happened, but uh, to hear some action taken by FBC to help some people outside of our fellowship. I don't know if you guys heard uh, about a week ago, uh, there were two people who were killed in a motorcycle accident, I believe, over in the Bethlehem area, and they left five children. The two parents were, were killed in the motorcycle accident, and so they left their five children, who are now staying with friends and relatives, I believe, up in the Lancaster area. Uh, but they're se separated because they're five kids, and it's hard to house five kids if you're not used to having five kids. Um, so they're separated. But I was happy to hear that um, the group that works with our finances here is FBC. Immediately they saw the need, they heard the need, they saw the need. Uh, they knew that we've been, we've been talking about kids and helping families in the neighborhood, and they immediately sent out uh, gift cards and such to the families uh, who have these kids to help provide for some of the needs, especially schools starting up, and all those needs, clothing, food, all that stuff that comes with having kids in the house, and so I was very happy to hear that uh, as after it had happened. I love that. I love that. We're, we're working with a group from uh, called, I think, the Lantern uh, Resort up there, and they're actually helping to collect the gift cards for these kids and these families, so if you do want to give towards that, uh, there's a way that you could help out as well, but I was so happy to see that FBC stepped in, and, and I got to hear about it uh, secondhand after it happened, and I love that. As a pastor, I love to hear those stories of ministry happening in the body uh, without any, like, direction or prompting or, hey, you have to go do this. This is what we need to do. This, this was a blessing to me, and I hope it's a blessing to you uh, to know that we've been able to, to give uh, in that way towards this hurting community. Pray for these children. Five kids. I don't know where their, their families stood with the Lord, their faith, uh, pray for these kids. Pray for the families who are housing them. And pray, Lord, that there would be a, a solution where they would be able to be together, the ages around 10 to 16 or so. Um, so pray that, uh, that uh, the Lord would continue to work out in that way. Um, but some of the, I just wanted to mention, that's some of the, the positive things. You know, even in tragedy, you know, there's, there's, there's things that we can do. We can help out and serve our community, even a really, really tough time. So thank you so much for that. And your generous giving and support of the ministry allows us to be able to do those kind of things without even thinking about it, because the God, God has blessed us in resources because of this, this body. So thank you so much. Well, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, uh, 26 through around 31. And um, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats, in the pockets in front of you, if you need a Bible to follow along. Luke chapter 1, I told you last week we were going to be in this passage for a couple weeks because there's a lot built into here. Um, and does anybody remember, last week I mentioned what we were going to be covering this week. Does anybody remember what that topic was? Glad that we're all listening. All right. No, that's all right because the Holy Spirit had me switch it Thursday morning. So we're going to be covering it. We're going to talk about the Trinity, but we're going to be covering that next week because uh, the prompting of the Holy Spirit had me switch the direction of this message after this week. 
uh, after uh, Thursday last week. So, but we're still in the same section of Scripture. So let's read. We can pull up the slide, the, the, the words on the slides there. Why don't we stand as we read the Word of the Lord? Just read these couple of verses together here. All right, Luke 1, starting at verse 26. Ready? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. All right, I think that's, there we go. Now, if Mary was living today, and we talked about what this means for Mary last week. We talked about what this, mean, this news means for Mary and her life. Um, we, we, we started by sharing about her story, where she's coming from, uh, how this, this pregnancy and this child uh, out of wedlock is going to affect her. If Mary was living today and she had doubts, she had questions even, she, we knew her response. She said her response, I am the Lord's servant. That's how she responded to the angel's news of, hey, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And she pipes up, hey, I am the Lord's servant. That's her response. But if she begins to doubt. She begins to question. If she begins to, to reconsider her options, if she lived today, there would be many, many different ways that she could handle her pregnancy. We're going to talk about that today. 62 million. 62 million. That is a staggering number. That's a big number for anything. I, you, know, you, probably, you may have a clue of what I'm going to talk about here today, maybe, getting a little clue here. But even at 62, num- 62 million, this is a big number. This is a big number. This is the estimated number of abortions since Roe v. Wade. This estimate could be a little less, could be a little bit more. It's an estimate. Roe v. Wade came, into, came to pass in 1973. So my, my whole life, this has been the, the law of the land, so to speak, the options out there. Research says that five out of ten pregnancies in the United States are unwanted pregnancies. For those who maybe have children or wanted children, that's, that's, a, that's a terrible term unwanted pregnancy. I know this, people have struggled. There, there are many families who have struggled with this for, for many, many years. Out of those unwanted pregnancies, half, you know, half of pregnancies, five out of ten are, are unwanted. Out of, out of that, 40% of those may end in abortion. 62 million, almost 50 years, 62 million. Now, there are a lot of different opinions on this issue. When we say the word abortion, flags go up, thoughts go up, terms go up, categorizing people. All of a sudden, man, we're categorizing people. Uh, here in the church, in the evangelical church, which is, this is a, a church part of the evangelical circle, this is the circle we run in, we would probably consider ourselves pro-life. That's the term that we would consider ourselves. Oh, we're pro-life. We want to see these babies have a future, and we want to see these families have hope. There are others who may fall into the what they call the pro-choice 
category. This, this debate is not cut and dry, even though sometimes we want to talk about it as if it were just a cut and dry issue. The reason I'm even talking about this, because we're, we're, we're in this passage, we're in this section here. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about babies. Little baby John the Baptist and the news that comes with him. Little baby Jesus and the news that comes with the announcement from the angel to, to Mary. And as I was thinking this week, and man, I had, I had the sermon, all the sermon all written, it's ready to go. It's going to have to be given next week on uh, the Trinity. But as I was thinking this week and, and looking at what's happening in our culture and in our society, there's some big things that have happened over this last work, week when it comes to the idea of abortion. So while we're sitting here talking about babies, maybe it's a good time that we stop and we talk about babies. All right, Texas, you may have heard this. Texas, I see some hands go up, some praise in the Lord there. Texas has made a major decision, passed a major piece of legislation over this last week. And probably the majority of us, we're not, we're not being very vocal here, but in our hearts we're probably praising and clapping and saying praise the Lord for legislation like this. All right, yep, I see some amens. And I, I, I myself am pro-life. I've got four kids of my own. We take in other kids into our home, kids that need help, families that need help. Uh, I would consider myself a, a person who likes babies, loves babies. And I would consider myself on the pro-life side. A lot of articles came out this past week, I mean, covering every aspect of this law. I did just a, a brief amount of research on this law barely scratched the surface, and, and there's so many different opinions and views about what this means. And you've got a side cheering, and you've got a side cursing, right? Right. This is a this is a hot topic. This is a hot topic. There was a New York Times article. I actually had it in my hand, and then I forgot to bring it with us. I, I, I like, I like uh, the lead of Tim Keller. He's a pastor in, the, in New York City, and he said that he preaches with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other as he's talking about culture, and he's in the, the heart of New York City. And I, I had the article, and I just totally forgot it. But it said it effectively bans abortion after six weeks within Texas. That means a lot of things. That means a lot of things. Abor bans abortions once cardiac activity has been detected, a heartbeat. I myself, I'll just lay right out, I'm, I'm in favor of those heartbeat kind of bills. I remember when my father-in-law passed away from Alzheimer's, one of the measurements was heartbeat. I realize he's with us, and now he's not. And you've, maybe if you've lost someone, you've experienced that as well. It's like, well, that's an indicator on that side. Well, maybe it's an indicator then on the other side as well as when, when life is beginning. So this takes into that account. Thing is, though, at six weeks, come to find out, many women don't even realize they're pregnant. And so there are questions. If I don't even know and I don't have a choice and I don't have an opportunity to make a decision, what does that mean for me? The new law, maybe not, it doesn't even take into consideration cases of rape or incest, and they have to work that out. What does that mean? And right now, this is very interesting. Right now, the Supreme Court has voted not to take up action against this law. 
Many other laws they have, but the way this one is worded and put together, Supreme Court said, well, there's not enough. You've not given us enough to come, come and make a decision on this law right now. There, there's a, there, there's a legislation going through New Hampshire right now, not as restrictive as this, but going through, and, and some of the representatives that we voted for are pushing through legislation to help to start restricting abortions at certain times. I bet many of us would love to see those bills passed. This is a big issue. This is a really big issue. There are people with lots and lots of questions. I don't want, we, what we're not going to do today is we're not going to thump down the Bible and say, see why all those people are wrong out there and see why we're right in here. It's not the, the purpose of, of talking about this Today, I want to, as I was thinking about this issue, going through the scripture, looking at where we are in the scripture, looking at where our culture is, looking at the questions that, that our culture is facing and that people are, are asking and the, the, the praise and the outrage that's going on, I see the face of Mary, the young teenager who finds herself pregnant. Now, in the Bible, I'm the Lord's servant. That's her response. I'm the Lord's servant. But I see the face of Mary in these faces that are going to be affected by this legislation. It said that um, this legislation is going to stop about 56,000 abortions from happening within the state of Texas. That's a lot. That's a significant amount of of babies in life. That's 56,000 babies. That's 100,000 prospective parents affected by this. This is doctors and families, 56,000 extended families that are affected by this. I would say this, this, this is going to stretch and affect the churches in Texas. Well, what makes a baby a person? There are a lot of different opinions on that. Right? We've talked about heartbeat. We've talked about a certain amount of months as they developed, and the viability is, is a, a, a key word out there. Is it viable? Uh, well, I don't even know if life is viable until you get past your teenage years. So I, I don't know what kind of measurements, you know, what, what that is as a measurement. Uh, but all these, these terms that come out about what does it mean, when's the, bi- the baby a person after they're born, right before they're delivered, what, you know, what's, what's the time frame? Lots of questions, lots of thoughts in that. But we think that that here at FBC, that babies' lives, even unborn lives, are precious, and we get our understanding from that because of Scripture. And what I want us to do, what I want us to remember, is that as we are reading Scripture, oftentimes we come across a passage, or we look at a passage, and we point out the door and say, see all those wrong people out there, all those evil people out there, all those people making poor decisions out there, who are the scriptures primarily written to? Especially if you look at the New Testament. It's us, the church, those of us here who, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're wanting to live a different way, guided by the Holy Spirit. So we do, as a body, get our direction on the value of life from the scriptures. We're just going to cover just, just really quickly, I think, some of the, some passages, just as a reminder. And a lot of us are familiar, familiar with these passages, but just as a, a good reminder as we're thinking about this hot topic issue. 
Now, the Bible uses the same Greek word for fetus, newly born, and young child. It's all like the same word combined, no matter what stage we would consider the baby to be at. Brephos is the word. Luke 1, 41, we saw this with uh, uh, Elizabeth and, and Zechariah's news um, with, when they were talking about their baby. Luke 1, 41 and 44 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, we, we covered this last week, the baby, this is the word, the baby, leapt in her womb. This is a child who is in the womb, child in the womb, and was, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, for, and she says, for behold, when the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby in my womb, in my womb leapt for joy. Luke 2, 12 uh, says this, this will be a sign, we haven't covered this passage yet, but we will be in the next couple of weeks, this will be a sign for you, you will find the baby, there's the word again, wrapped in clothes, a baby that has been born, same, same word, the, the, using the same terminology, so they came in, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Here's a newborn child described in the same way that a child was in the womb of Elizabeth. Acts 7.19 talks about some mistreatment for the people. And uh, it was, this just says, it was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. Here's the word for infants. Used, using the same language, getting up to toddler years. Luke 18, 15, and I'm just running through these really quick. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that, that he would touch them. When the disciples saw it, they began rebuking him. I, I, I love that kind of passage. It reminds me, oh, man, guys, you're, you're just not getting it. Jesus says, hey, bring them to me. Bring the children to me. And the disciples, oh, no, you don't have time for the kids. No, no, bring the children to me. Jesus says. Jesus loves children. Here, the, the word for babies would be that of like a toddler, some, a baby who can really get out of the house, and they're bringing them to Jesus. And he's, he's bringing them in. He's loving them and accepting them, wrapping his arms around them. So the Bible uses the same word within the Greek to describe those who are not yet born all the way to those who may be even a couple of years old. We see value in that. We see that it's precious. Life is precious. The Bible speaks at length about the importance of the life of a child. David spoke um, about himself being a separate and, and living entity in his mother's womb and what that means in Psalm 139. I think we've got that one, 139. Uh, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. Man, even before. David said, even before I was around, God, you saw me. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them even began. The Mosaic Law spoke about the value of human life and even that of the unborn. Exodus 21 says this, when, a, when men get into a fight, and this is like just a given, <laughs> it's like, okay guys, guys you're going to get into fights, all right, this is a given here. Okay, but here's some seriousness. When, a man, when men get into a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her ch- uh, children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the child lives. The one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands for him. 
and he must pay according to judicial assessments. If there is injury to this child who is yet supposed to be born, then you will, must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. That's serious. Written into the Jewish law. Here the phrase pregnant woman affirms that the fetus is a child. It could be pregnant mother affirms that this is a child as well. God shows care and concern for those who are expecting as well as for the expectant child. Second Kings 19 says, they said to him, this is what Hezekiah says, today is a day of distress, rebuke, and disgrace. Why? For children have come to the point of birth, but there is no strength to deliver them. And this is a tragedy. Distress disgrace because these little ones aren't able to come into this world. Job, as he's talking about his situation, and he talks about it comparing it to that of a miscarried child in Job 3.13, like an infant who never sees daylight, and there, there's tragedy in that. Isaiah 66 says this, God says, God says this to his people, will I bring a baby to the point of birth and not deliver it, says the Lord, or will I, who deliver, close the womb, says your God. You can, you can see, you can feel the heaviness in those statements, in those statements, but the, 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 how life is precious, even for the littlest. And pregnancy and childbirth are a mystery of God. You go through school, you learn the birds and the bees, but it's still a mystery from God. Ecclesiastes says, just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. And if God says that life is precious and it's a divine gift and a divine work, we would believe here, who are we to upset that? and cause destruction on that life. We saw in Luke 1, 15, as they're talking about John the Baptist, for he will, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Who gets to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The image bearers of God. It speaks to even the child is an image bearer of God at that young age. And we see that, that John is, is leaping in his mother's womb. Before he's even born, he's leaping in his mother's womb. He's responding with joy as Mary is coming up to the house. Joy. Having experiences. It's amazing. We, we had four kids of our own. So my wife had four pregnancies. And we live in a time, all four of them, we were able to see on the ultrasound and see their little hearts beating, see them moving around, see them kicking, see them waving at us on occasion, all those kind of great things. See, seeing the, the doctors push and prod at her belly and seeing the response of the baby within the womb. And at that moment, she's like, oh my goodness, what a joy, what an honor, what a privilege, what love 
continue to deepen and deepen in expectation for the babies that were going to be born into our family. And the scriptures speak to this. The scriptures speak to this idea. Here at FBC, I would hope that we consider ourselves a group of people that value life. And we're going we're gonna to say, well, most of us here would probably a hearty amen as, as we talk about pro-life and, and, and cutting down on abortions and changing the laws and things. But what do, we ta- what do we mean by life? What do we mean by life? What life are we concerned with? Certainly concerned for the babies in the womb. But are we concerned about the countless other people who are affected by these laws and these changes in the culture and society? When we say that we're pro-life, what does it mean? Oftentimes the church is, is condemned or criticized because we, we throw out the idea of we're pro-life, we're pro-life, we're pro-life, but then we're against everything else, support-wise, help, whatever it may be, community service, once a child is born. Have you heard those criticisms? I've heard them. I've seen them. Are they valid? Maybe. And we need to deal with that. When we say we're pro-life, what is pro-life mean? Does it stop at a certain point in time when we think, oh, we've done our job, and it's easy to sit back and say, oh, those legislators, man, they're, they, they've done their job, they're good, I, I approve of the message they're, they're giving, and then sit back and, and then do nothing else? What does it mean to be pro-life? I think most of us would be applauding a move like the one Texas made, a bold move. We'll see what happens. There, there's support behind it, but there's plenty of opposition as well behind it. We'll see what happens, what unfolds over the next few weeks, months, or years as things begin to change. I, I hear a little rumbling, a, a wave of rumblings by, from other states saying, oh man, oh man, now's our chance, now's our chance to move in the same direction. This has consequences, though. We see the positive consequences in Texas alone, around 56,000 children who may have a chance to be born. But there are other consequences as well. Oftentimes I see on my social media feed as, as things are escalating, things are talked about, and, and topics are thrown around. I see some people within the churches, some people within the Christian circle saying, you know, this is great news. All the, we're, we're cutting down on evil. Look at all those awful people who won't be able to abort those babies. And we start throwing out terms as awful, evil, condemning, all those kind of things. We start pointing our fingers at other people. But let me tell you about some of those awful, evil people who are going to be affected by this. They're scared pregnant teenagers. Possibly scared pregnant to be moms, scared pregnant or not pregnant, scared boyfriends as well. What do we do with them? What do we do with them? When we say pro-life, do we just mean the little baby within the belly? Or do we actually mean for that mom as well, who's going to be struggling over the next nine months and may have been cut off by family? may have been cut off by friends. If you look at Mary and her situation that first century, man, this, this had the, the, it, it, some of the consequences. She could have been cut off from society, from her family, from her culture, from her town. She could have been thrown out, cast out. 
sometimes we've done the same thing. What do we do with those teenage moms-to-be when they have no choice, no other choice in their mind, and they're scared and they're worried? Are we ready to pick up the task of mentoring and coming beside and saying, hey, you have family, you don't have family, family's taking care of you, family's not taking care of you, not taking care of you, we want to take care of you? Are we ready to step into that role? Are we ready to mentor these young men who may have made a really stupid mistake and now they're struggling and they're feeding into the ear of their pregnant girlfriend or fiance or even wife? We can't handle this. We can't do this. This is too much. I'm not ready for this. And who steps beside them and says, wait, we want to be here with you and help walk you through this situation and give you the resources that you need so that this baby has a life when he or she is born. Single moms, single moms who feel lonely and rejected and they were just seeking out companionship because they feel isolated and a mistake might have been made and now they have to live with that consequence. What about the family on welfare? A lot of people are already pointing their fingers at them saying, man, get to work. You're lazy, giving them messages like that, condemning them for being in the position and the state that they're in, receiving the help that they're in, and now they've got one more child who's coming, one more mouth to feed in the future, and all they see is condemnation. What do we do with them? Where are the, lo- the arms of Jesus with them? I'm also thinking about, I grew up in a very conservative church. Church background growing up was very conservative. I've mentioned a couple times some experiences that I've had, and I think, I think about those very fundamental families who preach against and speak against and, 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 and curse and criticize and, 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 and go to all the marches and go to all the rallies, but then their teenage daughter makes a mistake. And then they start making decisions to try to avoid shame and try to go those, those darker paths that we would consider. What do we do about showing them grace and love and that if a mistake is made, life is still precious and beautiful. Don't hide behind shame. Don't try to hide it. Don't mask it. You, let God use that story. Being a church that's open to hear stories, hear about mistakes, hear about challenges in life, sitting here in these seats and saying, we, we, we are a place where those stories can be shared with no guilt or condemnation, but we want to walk beside you in that journey and see what the Lord is going to do. Our God is a God who brings about life from death. We're talking about life and death here. We're talking about life. If we hold the pro-life position, we are talking about life and death. This is how we talk about this issue. Life and death, life and death. How do we start to work in our community to bring life out of death. Nurses and doctors, there's a lot of condemnation, a lot of finger pointing that goes on. Oh, those nurses and doctors who are providing these services. Well, what about those nurses and doctors? They sit in their office day after day, and there are some people who are, who are, who are getting joy out of this issue and providing services, but there are others who just sit day after day and see these stories and see have experiences with the teenagers who have so many questions, they're so confused, and they're just there trying to help. 
what kind of support do they need to provide the kind of care that they want to give? Sitting here and telling people, just don't get pregnant, doesn't get us off the hook. And I've seen that happen in various different places within the church. Just don't make a mistake, and it'll be all right. Just don't make a mistake. If, if that was the gospel, if that was the message we preached, Jesus did it all wrong. Jesus should have spent his time just in the temple, in the confines of the temple, saying, hey, here it is, here's the law, this is what you do, don't make a mistake, you know, whatever it is. No, no, what did Jesus do? He went into the streets and found the people who were hurting. He went and found the people who were hurting. He did, he, a lot of people came to him, but he, always, he didn't always wait for people to come to him. He often went and found them to give them the good news to give them the news about life and kingdom hope. This is a much bigger issue than just telling people don't mess up, and if they do mess up, then leaving them on their own to figure it out. If you got yourselves into this mess, then you got to figure it out. That's often the message that comes out of the church. That's not the best message for us to give. There are too many lives at stake in this, and not just babies' lives. Moms and dads, family lives, if you think about family and taking responsibility and what it means to raise children and the finances it takes to raise children. If you've had children, it's not cheap, right? If you've had children, you're sitting here and you've had kids, it is not cheap. (laughs) It doesn't just happen. It takes work and effort, and there are people who are struggling with this out in our community. I have often come down on the marriage of the American, the, the American religious political marriage that we see swirling around here. I'm not going to be shy and, and back away from that. If you've seen me on social media, you've seen me sharing articles and things from various sides, all swirling on various sides, various issues. Back in the 1970s and 80s into really the early 2000s and beyond, this, this marriage between the church and politics really began to solidify. And you have a term called the religious right that pops up during this time. And one of the, the rallying calls, one of the things that, that helped form this union was the issue of abortion. It's very interesting, before this time, the issue of abortion wasn't such a hot topic issue in the church. It's not that we were for it. It's just that it hadn't become so politicized and such a, a hammer that was driven into the culture by the church. It actually helped the religious right to consolidate power around an issue and become a huge voting block in American society, in American culture. But a lot of what we've seen come out of that is fighting, pointing fingers, and condemnation for those who are on this other side of this issue. And I don't think that's the position we want to be in as a church. I'm not here to say, I'm not here to say, vote for this, vote for this, whatever. I'm not here, and this is not what we're going to be doing today. I just want us to have a wider view of the people involved in this issue of life. We've got so concerned with fighting and fighting, gaining power 
and pushing through. And this, this is the way of the world. Now, we, we live in a complicated time, you know. When you look at the scriptures, they, they didn't have democracy. They didn't have freedom to vote and choose and, and some of the things that we enjoy. But the, there's such a tension and balance with the Christian faith with this, this idea of freedom and living in the United States of America. And it can be complicated. It can be complicated. Over the last couple years, I've been called liberal and woke by probably some folks who don't know me very well, but we're, we're free to throw out those terms, and that's all right. That's all right. I'm going to throw this, some of this stuff back at us as a body here. And woke simply means to be awakened, alerted to injustices within our society, and if that's the definition of woke, then churches are the most woke on this issue of abortion, aware of the issue, aware of the consequences, aware of the death that is caused by this thing called abortion. The evangelical church, we've been social justice warriors in this issue. We've been social justice warriors in this area of need, and that's fantastic. We need to keep keeping our eyes on that path. What do we do? What do we do? There are going to be a lot of people who are who are hurting, who are questioning, who are doubting, who are condemning, who are on the other side of the aisle, if you will. What do we do with that? I think we take our cues from the Bible. I think we start pointing our fingers within the church, not without, without the church, outside the church. And it's interesting. Jesus, during his day, he was too conservative for the liberal party, and he was too liberal for the conservative party. And I think that's a pretty good place to stand if we're following in his steps. The things that we do won't make sense to the people around us. What Jesus was concerned about was doing his Father's work and inviting other people into life, into the kingdom of God, and providing solutions for them. Throughout all my life, I've been taught that we are a Christian nation. Christian, a Christian founding for God's purposes and plan. And tell you what, if we're going to claim that title, let's wholeheartedly do it. But we have to embrace the lifestyle that comes with that. Jesus was pretty radical in his day, helping those who were in desperate need, like the, the mothers in, with unwanted pregnancies and providing the support and the help and the counsel for them and not condemning them because we think they made the wrong choice. Opening the doors wide for people who are in need, inviting them into our communities, into our homes. Choosing life or using the pro-life moniker is not just to be against abortion, but it means that we are for the lives of all. We are for the lives of everybody. That's the path that Jesus took. That's the path, I think, that we see preserved in the Scriptures. That's the path, I think, that the Holy Spirit leads his followers on. If that's woke, count me in. I'd say count this church in as well. My concern as a leader at FBC is that as we follow in, in Jesus' footsteps, that we stay in the game. It can be too easy to, to see 
legislation pass and cheer and praise. And I say, yeah, let's give our couple minutes to that and praise the Lord for that. But what do we do to stay in the game? To be a player in the game, to bring life to other people who are questioning and suffering and don't have all the answers and they're confused and they're hurting. What do we do to stay in the game? What do we do to stay in the game? If FBC, you know, has been around for over 40 years and has faithfully served in the community for all that time. Let's not sit on the sidelines. Not time to get on the sidelines now. It's time to go even deeper into our communities and see who we can share that love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus with. Now, our culture is changing. It's getting more confused. It's, it's upending itself. Now's the time to dig deep. Now's the time to go deep. Pray the Lord Jesus, what do we do? What job would you have us as individuals and as the body as well? Yeah, we, 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 we clap and we praise some recent decisions that were made around our country. It doesn't give us the right or the place then to then sit on the sidelines. If we're going to praise and cheer, then we're also going to work for the people who are going to be affected by these laws and these changes. This is the job of the church. This is the example that Jesus left us. Lord Jesus, we come to you, and you are so bold. You are so straightforward in your mission and your purpose, and, and you, you did show us that all life is precious. All life deserves to, to have access to, to the, the kingdom. Even though we're, we're sinners, Lord, you, you showed us that, that we are all image bearers, invited into your kingdom, into your family. I pray, Lord, that as we see our culture changing around us, that we would walk out in that same boldness and direction that you have given us to, to honor those, to, to work with those who, who are struggling, who are asking questions and who have doubts. May we preach the good word of the gospel, but may we also walk in our actions as well, bringing hope and life to the community around us. We come in your precious name, Jesus.